I'm actually from northern Michigan, but I uh, live in Pittsburgh now, which it rains a lot. I would be out there right now doing this. Um, instead, I'm in the garage. But uh, yeah, no, in Pittsburgh now. I've been here for about 10 years. Yeah. Okay. What what uh, took you are you there? Are you in Houston? Yep. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I lived in Hearst, Texas um, for a couple of years when I was a kid. Where is that? Which at? is, uh, it's like one of the suburbs outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. It's like, uh, yeah, we actually, we used to go down to, I have a lot of family in Brownsville. We used to go down there in Corpus Christi all the time. Yeah, still got a lot of family out that way. Very nice. Is, so where are you from? Are you from Texas? No, like I said, from Northern Michigan, okay. but kind of just bounced around all over the place. Very nice. So what, yeah. what made you want to write a book? That's, that's a funny story and a, and a good long question. Um, so like I wrote in the book, like got really fat. I was like, I had, was having issues tying my own shoes basically at a certain point. It was, it was bad. Like I played minor league football after high school. So I was in decent shape, but didn't know anything about nutrition or any of that other stuff. Um, and my wife and I were trying to have kids. We were having issues with that, the whole infertility because we were unhealthy thing. Um, and it kind of just led us into learning, you know, a lot more stuff about nutrition and how to take care of ourselves. And as you do, as you start learning things, you start wanting to help other people. And so we went out and got some certifications and she became a holistic nutritionist and I became a personal trainer. And while we were doing that, really, we were doing it for the knowledge itself in the beginning. And then we thought, you know what, we could probably help some people. We have a lot of friends in the same boat as us. And, uh, and so we started doing that. And as we started working with a lot of people, there was a lot of things. There's a lot you can do for your health outside of the kitchen and outside of the gym. And those things we started putting in this little, like this little manifesto, more or less, that was like, uh, you know, spend some time outside, breathe some fresh air, ground, you know, whatever. And it just kept evolving and turning into more and more. And they, a lot of clients had a lot of questions, you know, why do I need to do this? Why should I do this? Why does not doing it affect me? And it, kind of rolled itself into a book. So yeah, started as more of like a, like a guideline for clients, you know, like if you really want to be the best version of yourself, uh, ground, get some sunlight on you, you know, do these really basic things that are free, you know? Right. And, uh, and yeah, and it just slowly turned into the book. Dude, I, I resonate with everything that you and your wife documented in the book. I, I love, I love the book. I'm almost done with it. I'm, I was traveling awesome. last week, so I didn't get to finish it like I wanted to, but I'm, I'm almost done with it. And um, everything that you talk about, about um, transitioning away from the healthy or the unhealthy lifestyle and then hanging around with your friends and then the balancing of the kids and the, and the busy life. Um, were you the first one in your family to, I guess, kind of have this awakening um, yeah. in your friendship circle? And what kind of pushed you into that? Um, well, not being healthy was the definite push for sure. And, um, it, it was, it was a hard thing because like you're saying that transition can be tough, especially when your entire friend group, um, you know, they want to, they're drinking, they're eating pizza, they're, they're doing, they're living the normal modern life. And so you're trying to get away from that because you realize it's hurting you. Um, but the real, the real trigger, um, was finding out that we had a kid on the way. Like at first it was like, ah, oh, we're pretty unhealthy. Maybe we should fix this so that we can have children. And then we found out that my wife was pregnant uh, with my first daughter, who's almost six now. And we were like, okay, we really have to do something for me. I thought, man, as a father, like 
I can barely tie my own shoes right now. I have got to be, I can't even defend her if someone tries to take her. Right. So that fatherly uh, instinct started to take over. And I thought I, I need to do something about it. And that, I mean, we lost a lot of friends in the process, a lot of people, because, you know, as you start evolving and, you know, awakening or making yourself better in whatever ways, some people, they either don't want to tag along or they just want to bring you back down. And you, you can't, you can't have that. You kind of got to just let it go. <laughs> and so we lost a lot of <laughs> friends. They were friends at the time. Obviously, they weren't good friends to begin with, but. Man, that's yeah. that's a tough balance to have because that's um, if you read any of uh, Jordan Peterson's book, he talks about living life between order and chaos, and in my mind, that's kind of what that like living life in the healthy realm or you know trying to do things for your health and the health of your family. To me, that's what my order and chaos is. But it's not a yeah. it's not an easy balance to have. So when you said that you realized you were unhealthy, what? It's tough for people to, to accept that, like, I'm unhealthy. Was there mm-hmm. a, a defining moment when you realized, like, shit, I need a change or I'm going to die? Not, not quite that bad, but there was this. So I took some time off and went on vacation with my family. Um, this is, you know, before kids. My wife and I just got married. And a picture was taken of me sitting poolside. And I was, you know, drinking a Heineken with sunglasses on, shirtless. And I looked like when I saw the picture, like it, it hit me, you know, like I looked like a fucking walrus sitting on the side of this pool. And when I saw that picture, I was like, wow, that is, that's me. That's really me sitting there. And so that, that was a pretty good push for me to go, all right, I'm going to start going back to the gym at least and start trying to do something. But that was, that was way early on in the, wow, I'm fat as fuck. (laughs) Dude, those, those pictures are tough because Sometimes that happens to me where I get snapped in a picture and I see a side profile. I'm like, fuck. Like I still feel, I still feel <laughs> yeah. that way sometimes. Those are oh, humbling me too, moments. Man. Me too. I know exactly what you mean. It's, it sucks when you see yourself like that, especially when you don't really realize it, you know? And for me at that time, I was working long hours. You know, I was fully clothed when I was working, working oil and gas and, you know, head to toe covered all the time. So my skin wasn't in the sunshine hardly at all. Just like, you know, from here to here, you know, a little bit under the safety glasses and that was it. And so when we went on vacation and I'm sitting poolside, like just, just pasty white and fat, man, it was like, it was so gross. It was like grotesque when I saw the picture, I was so, so disappointed in myself. (laughs) (laughs) Now I understood what, like walk me through the process of starting and writing the book. Like, what did that look like? It was super sloppy. Yeah. In the beginning. So Um, Like I said, it was kind of like it was a list of guidelines, more or less uh, pretty similar to how the book starts in the beginning. Like, you know, these are a list of simple things you can do right now. Um, And that started with a ton of our research. Like we we even tried the whole the vegan thing for a quick minute. My wife stayed on that a little bit longer than I did because I felt like crap pretty fast. But like we experimented with all of the things out there. We experimented with the vegan. We experimented with the chicken and rice bodybuilding diet. We did the Uh, the keto. The only thing that really ever stuck was like carnivore nose to tail, which we still eat, you know, fruits and vegetables. So we're not exactly carnivore, but nose to tail. And like, as we experienced all this and we found like super easy ways to actually change the way that you live, um, we were like, fuck, we need to, we need to tell our clients this, you know, like, cause you can spend, you, 
you come work out and do an hour, five days a week, and you and you still might not be who you want to be after six months because there's so much more to it, you know. And so Kate was doing the stuff with the in the kitchen with the holistic nutrition and trying to guide them that way. But there's still so much more, you know, it's it's mind, body, soul, you know, being a part of nature. Like there's just so much more involved in being healthy than just what you eat and what you do in the gym and what you do throughout the entire day matters a lot. And so we started writing down those, you know, ground, you know, spend some time with your feet in the grass for fucking 30 minutes a day, you know, expose your skin to the sun for 30 minutes a day. Like there's no excuse why people can't do that. Like I, I get this all the time. You know, I, I live in an apartment. I can't, there's nowhere for me to bullshit. That's bullshit. That's it's unless you live on like the hundredth floor somewhere in New York city. And for some reason you can't get to central park. Like it's bullshit. You know, I, so I have a really hard time believing that, but there's grounding sheets. There's a lot of ways you can go around that. Um, so it started as like this list anyhow. And, uh, and then we got questions. It was the questions. So then you'd build on those questions and just kind of outline more underneath of why. And like I said, those descriptions basically started turning into chapters. And then a couple of years into it, um, my wife was like, Jesus, this is like a book now. And I'm like, oh, that kind of is. Maybe, maybe we could turn it into a book. Let's see. And so just started playing around with it. Never, never dreamed of being an author, never dreamed of writing a book or anything. Like I said, it just kind of it kind of made itself. And then partway through, like I said, my wife said, Hey, try to make it into a book. So we did. And, and there it is, <laughs> man. I think that's, that's why it's relatable. The information in the book doesn't come off as preachy or, yeah. or holier than thou or anything like that. I, you, uh, you expose some very, uh, raw and, and, uh, and critical times in your life where you, you show that you're a normal person. And I appreciate that because it's like I said, it's not like you're you're coming off trying to preach to people how you became successful and how to win at life. You expose your, <laughs> your faults, you know. And one yeah. of the things that I I related with in your book, you said that um, you worked overnight for a, uh, a few years, and yeah. as as did I. I worked in overnight radio for about eight years. And, um, so, you know, our, our, our clocks, my clock was all fucked up. I was eating, yeah. you know, my lunch at midnight and yeah. drinking coffee at midnight. And that, um, to this day, you know, my friends make fun of me. I'm an overnight eater. A lot of the yeah. times, like I'll wake up with just like this unravishing urge to want to <laughs> gorge and I'm like half awake, half asleep, yeah. but I never put the two to two together. Like that I was, that I spent so much time eating at night. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. Like I'm still like battling yeah. off those years of yeah. eating overnight. Yeah, um, dude, I, I deal with the same thing. Like I, my wife jokes and calls it midnight Trent because I, the same exact thing, man, like years of, of work and night shift. Like you said, you eat your lunch at midnight. And so I, I literally still wake up between 11 and one o'clock at night. Like try to go to bed like 10, sometimes nine, even if we can kind of sneak into bed early, but always wake up sometime around midnight. And like you said, I'll be like half asleep, like opening the fridge, like, fuck am I doing? What, what is this? I know better. And it's, yeah, man, it's, it's like, it's a for real fight. And throughout the the decade I worked in oil and gas, like I was never consistent on one shift, you know, like we, we rotated. So I might be on day shift for two weeks and then the next two weeks I'd be on nights. So maybe have a couple of days off in between. Um, sometimes I'd be, you'd just work straight and it'd be hours and hours on end. And it, it, sometimes I worked a 36 hour shift one time and like, mm. 
had like 12 hours off, went back and did like 16. Like it was just, there was almost no schedule at all. So my body had conditioned itself to eat whenever I could. And when you're on the road, and I'm sure it's the same way working nights, you know, doing radio, like you kind of eat what you can. Like there's not a lot of places open during your commute, you know, back and forth, especially for me, I was working like in the hills of West Virginia where there's like maybe a 7-Eleven. And so I was eating them little wrap like uh, taquitos, yeah. like they, like there was nothing else. And it was, you could tell <laughs> that that's how I was eating, but it, it almost happened so fast. You know, you look in the mirror one day and you're like, damn, how did, how did I turn into this guy? Yep. <laughs> I mean, everything that you said in the book where you, you're, you were battling acne cause I was too during that yeah. time. And I never put, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a health conscious family. You know, we didn't, it wasn't uh, ever thought about It's just, you know, we work, our, you know, most of my family does manual labor. So that's thought of as like exercise and we eat yeah. normal food, you know, and yeah. it was never really a thing. I never put like, oh, I'm drinking, you know, a gallon of Coke a week. Well, I don't know why I have acne. I don't, I don't know why, yeah, I I don't know why I'm sick. Yeah. So what, <laughs> yeah. what, um, I guess, how do you battle that now? And, and what makes you successful in that regard? Like what things do you do to, to try to eliminate the midnight snacking? Yes. So that for me, it's, it's big on having carbs in the evening. Like, so I'll like, for example, um, this morning we had liver and ground ancestral beef, um, some, a little bit of bone marrow. And then I'll normally I'll skip lunch. Cause I do eat breakfast. I'm not like a fast for the morning guy. I like my breakfast, but, um, then at dinner time, I'll probably have a sweet potato, maybe even some honey on it. Something that cures that kind of sweet tooth and actually helps me um, I'll sleep a little bit better when I wake up. I'm not craving like, you know, that I have to consume something sweet. But um, when I snack and when we all snack at the house, because my kids, we my uh, mother-in-law owns a bakery and she is a fucking fantastic baker. And it so that makes it tough. And the kids, they, you know, they call her grandma cupcake. And <laughs> because for good reasons, she makes the best cupcakes. So it's tough when you're raising kids and they crave sugar even more than we do as adults. And so trying to keep them satiated, you know, that sweet tooth satiated rather. Um, and us at the same time, it, it really is a balance, but you'd be surprised once you let go of sugar. And I'm sure you've seen this when you let go of Coke, like bananas are sweet as hell and mangoes are sweet as hell. And once you can kind of uh, enjoy the fruitfulness that fruit can actually provide, provide uh, nature's candy, you kind of have it all, you know, but it's just not going too far, you know, not going back. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you have, you have three children, right? Yeah. Yep, okay. three. So how do you balance, how do you and your wife balance the, the cupcakes and the sweetness and going to birthday parties and yeah. all that? Yeah. I mean, do y'all stress uh, about it? Y'all worried uh, about that kind of stuff? It's kind of, it's kind of like the whole red pill thing. You know, once you take it, you can never look back, you know, like if you're ignorant to it, it doesn't bother you. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stress involved when, you know, they're going to Grandma Cupcake's house or they're going for all that. But we we don't put it on the kids because that's I don't want them to have any kind of psychological issues because I'm like, ah, you can't have the cupcake. You know, like they can still have the cupcake. Our our rule is, you know, at the house, there's two organs a day. That's that's the rule. You you eat your breakfast, you eat your your liver, your bone marrow, whatever organs are on the plate you eat your breakfast and then you know when we're eating at the house you eat what's on your dinner plate and 
so long as they're doing that, you know, whatever with the rest of it. And that's just kind of how it is. They can snack on whatever they want. We've eliminated everything out of the house and the cabinets and in the refrigerator that we don't want a meeting in the first place. So when they're snacking, whatever it is, we, we know it's okay. Um, it's when they leave the house, they were like, oh man, well, hopefully they don't come back, you know, all crazy. Cause they do, you know, they come back from grandma's house, all sorts of souped up, but um, yeah, that, that's the rule. And normally liver is one of the organs every day. Um, and it was tough in the beginning, especially with our oldest daughter. Um, she didn't want anything to do with it, but now she eats it. Sometimes it takes a little ketchup, sometimes a little bit of honey, but she does. My boy has no problem with it. And our, our youngest is only 10 months old. So she doesn't know. <laughs> are y'all, uh, are y'all cooking the liver? Or y'all eat it raw. With the kids, they, it's all cooked for them. My wife's the same way. She won't do it raw, but I've, I've been the nasty dude to do some raw liver smoothies pretty often. So, so it's not that bad, really. It's really good for you too. What does your family think about, I mean, both of y'all's family, your wife and, and yours, what do you, what kind of feedback do y'all get about raising your kids like this? Yeah, that's a good one. So, uh, like I said, my wife's, my wife's family, they own a bakery. And so it's totally unreal for them. Um, it's in the beginning, especially when we were still dealing with a lot of inflammation, we were still a little overweight, still having issues, like a lot, they were picking a lot of fun. It was a lot of jabbing at us, you know, a lot, there was a lot of reasons for us to stop doing it. Um, cause you know, friends, family, whatever, during that transition, like you mentioned earlier, um, there was a, there was a ton of backlash and then there was even some blowout fights, um, over the way the kids were being fed when they were being watched when I was out of town working and, you know, we're trying to make these changes and then they were getting undone. Um, and for the kids, it's so much harder. So yeah, there was, there was a lot, but once they started seeing us actually make the changes, it was like they flip flopped. And next thing you know, everyone was coming to us like, Hey, what were you doing again? What, what was that? Yeah. So it, 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 just, it changed, but it, there was a long process in the middle, maybe like two years in the middle where it was like, it was stressful. Yeah. Cause everybody was, they weren't on the page yet, you know? And of course everyone around us didn't just magically change and start, you know, living a, a different way. Um, but everyone has made little changes here and there. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The kids is something that my wife and I, you know, talk about, especially when we go to see my family, cause my dad is no, he's like, he's the cookie guy. And, yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, we're a little more laxed here. Um, you know, I, we feed our kids, you know, meat and, and some healthy carbs and, and vegetables. And then every now and then they'll have some, uh, what are those, uh, like the fruit snacks and whatever. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. it's, it's, it's very rare. But when we go to visit my family, it's like no holds bar. Like <laughs> my, my family wants to make up for all the time lost. So it's like, oh, as yeah. soon as they get there, they're going to shove a cookie in their mouth. <laughs> And oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of stressful, man. Like, and my parents don't understand, you know, the, the life or, you know, the, our yeah. thought process and how we want to raise our kids. So it's yeah, a, I'm, I'm always interested in, in hearing what other couples do and, and what makes yeah. them successful. I think it's different for them too. Like the older generation, it wasn't I, really the, the cookies weren't the same for them when they were kids. Like they, their flour was stone ground. It wasn't ultra processed like ours is, you know, um, there's a good book. I forget the author right now, but it's called the uh, gut reactions. And he talks about the difference in food over the last like 30 years. Um, and how like just flour being ultra processed, like it is, 
makes that sugar in the flour go like straight to fat storage and causing oxidative stress. Whereas, you know, 30 years ago, or even in a lot of other countries still, that flour is stone ground. And so when they're making their baked goods and shit out of it and they eat it, they're only getting, you know, they're getting maybe 25% of those sugars. So they get a loaf of bread there or back in the day and not get the type of reactions that, you know, people do now because it's just different ingredients. Yeah. And so I think we deal with that a lot with like the, the older people in the family, like I ate cookies and candy all growing up and I'm fine. Like, yeah, it was different. I'm sure. <laughs> right. I, um, you know, I didn't even think about that. Like the, how I guess more pure the ingredients were back yeah. when our parents were growing up. I, I always just get kind of defensive and, and when my, cause my family says the same thing. Well, I fed you this and, yeah. and look at you, yeah. you're fine. I'm like, no, I'm like battling anxiety. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm not fine. Stop yeah. saying that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like fucked up in the head, you know, like years of, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, how about you and your wife though? What, uh, it, it sounds like y'all y'all both made the transition at the same time or was there yeah. one kind of leading the other? Well, so because we were both like we we worked together really well, but we were on totally different pages for for a long time. Like I, like I said in the book, I was working hundreds of hours a week. A lot of times I was staying in hotels and she was by herself. Like she'd come visit me and, and I would always come back whenever I could, but I'd be you know, three hours away, you know, one way almost all the time. And so it's funny that we started it together because you'd think like with that type of lifestyle, it would be really difficult. But I think it's really important that couples try to do it together. Even like she, she wanted to go more plant-based, which I think is a more feminine thing. Anyhow, it just seems to be how it is. And I was kind of like, well, I still want to have some muscle, you know, I want to be strong. And I feel like that's hard to do when you're only eating plants. So I was, you know, going a different way nutritionally than she was, but we, we met in a, in a, you know, pretty coherent space later on, on that. But yeah, it was, it was together. It was, she went, you know, after playing minor league football and stuff, I always enjoyed more powerlifting type stuff anyway. So I went that way. She didn't really work out when she was a kid at all. So she got drawn into yoga and that, that like led into a really spiritual, um, portion of our lives that she kind of drugged me through the thorn bushes on the way. Like that was a totally new thing, but, uh, no, it was, it was something that we did together and we made the decision together in the beginning when we were having, you know, we were like 22 years old, not able, she was, you know, 19 years old. I was 22 years old, having trouble conceiving, having trouble, you know, having a baby. And we're like, we're way too young for this to be a problem. And so we, so that started like, okay, well, maybe we should both do something about this. And that it just, it's been rolling like a, like a snowball ever since. <laughs> and the deeper you go, the, the, you know, the more there is to it. But what advice do you have for couples that are, are starting their journey or, or in the middle? And one is, is more resistant to the, the transition than the other. Yeah, that's a tough one. And, and that's something that we do run into a lot. Um, in fact, there's someone um, that my wife and I are, are coaching right now who their spouse wants nothing to do with any of those changes. And uh, and there's not a whole lot of really good advice you can put to it besides like if you want to you can't one person can't just keep going up and the other person stay where they're at because 
one of them is going to veer away and, and you got to kind of stay parallel at least a little bit. You got, you got to stay together in it somehow. Um, very few couples do you ever see one goes on a fitness journey or a lifestyle journey and they actually, you know, they, they become a new person. Basically very rarely do they stay with the person that decided that they weren't going to do anything. Hmm. Um, and so that's kind of like the best thing we can always say is like, you know, you really try to convince that person, but you have to be sensitive with, with the spouse. You know, you can't make them feel like they have to, you can't make them feel like you will leave them if they don't change as well. But it's a touchy thing because you, I'm, I'm sure you see it all the time. Like, uh, dude loses a ton of weight, wife stays fat, he leaves her, right? Or the opposite happens all the time, you know? So that's just how it is. And if if you want to stay married to who you're married to, you you got to try trotting the path together. It's just, it's just better. It's easier. And then with the children, you don't have one parent that's feeding them donuts and the other <laughs> parent that's trying to give them, you know, liver and broccoli or whatever, you know, it's, it's a, it's a journey you should take together if you can, for sure. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, changes, lifestyle changes are, are hard to come by and there's so much rooted into it. I mean, depending on how you grew up, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what family member you were raised by, you know, what your friends, it's, it's tough. It's a tough, um, it's a tough conversation to have. It is. It really is tough. And it, it's like how you were saying about, um, uh, like with a lot of your family doing blue collar, that's my dad was an iron worker and I don't, the, maybe one uncle that was a white collar guy and I didn't know him very well. So same thing. And there was always that, like, cause I would be like, man, I'm kind of getting fat. I think I need to do something about it. And they're like, ah, you were, you do manual labor, man. You're fine. You're strong. Like, I don't know if I am or not, but I look fat. <laughs> right. Man. I, I reject the notion every time my, someone in my family says, Oh, it's just part of getting old. You know, my back hurts yeah. or, yeah. or, um, you know, I, it takes me 30 minutes to get warmed up in the morning. Like I, I don't like hearing that because I follow yeah. some pretty inspirational people on, yeah. on Instagram that are in their sixties and seventies and they're fucking killing it. You know, like Cam, you know, Cam Haynes is, yeah. he's in his mid fifties and the dude mm-hmm. runs a marathon a day, you know? So yeah, he's a badass. <laughs> so Goggins, all them dudes. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I know a lot of it has to do with diet. But I've just become in my in my circle, I've become this like, I don't know, this like annoying friend that's like, oh, well, that's probably diet related. Or like if someone has like <laughs> yeah. something like in their bag, I'm like, well, you should probably change about the diet. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to like back that down a little bit. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, though, because yeah. the more you learn, the more like you feel like you should tell people. Yeah. 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 And we dealt with that a lot, too. People are like, I know I shouldn't be eating this. I know I shouldn't be doing this. Like. Like they justify it to you right. without you even having to say anything. And you're like, yep. well then don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't, exactly. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause then people almost start to feel guilty around you. And, uh, and that sucks cause you don't want them to feel that way, of course, but, right. but people do. I, I have a lot of cousins that are, that do that too. Or the, the, uh, I guess the, I, the paradigm shift is when you do go off or I cheat or, you know, I'll have a pizza. Then it's like, ah, you, you fucking cheated. Like, <laughs> gotcha. You piece of shit. Like, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So. Yeah. They're like taking pictures of you. Like, look at this sloppy fuck. I, I knew he wasn't perfect. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you're like, ah, it's, you know, it's, it's totally different to do this, you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks. But 
every night, man, that's, that's where you're messing up, you know? And that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to suggest. Yeah. I I get where you're at. Totally. That's, that's awesome, man. Your, um, your book, it's, it's like you, you research, you and your wife research so much. There's so much information. Like you took some turns in the book, um, talking about EMFs and like some grounding techniques and like the microbiome in your gut. How long did it take to, to research all this information to document it in the book? I, that part did take a long time because um, uh, we were we were separated a lot too because of the work schedule. So like I would send her a section and be like, "What do you think about this? Like, what would you add or whatever?" And then she, you know, she'd do her part or or the opposite. You know, I'd be sitting in a hotel room after work and she'd send me like a file and then you know go through it. But um, we committed ourselves in the very beginning. Like we were we're not we were not readers. Like I almost I did flunk out of college actually. So like we were not the educated type. It's just not who we were. And uh, I don't think I read a full book, maybe like three books, like growing up, actually full books. And uh, but we committed ourselves as we started learning because there was so much like so much bullshit in the health and wellness world. It was like, you have to do this. You have to do that. If you don't drink a fucking cup of apple cider vinegar a day, you're going to die at 20. Like just so many things that are thrown at you. And so we're like, okay, if we really want to learn this and figure it out, we're going to need to read a lot because there's a lot of opinions, a lot of different angles. And so we committed to each of us four books a month. It was a, it was easy for me because I was driving a lot, you know, and I was, when I was in hotel rooms, like I'd turn on an audio book, you know, and it was, it was a lot easier for me. And plus that helped me not go out with the guys and get beers and, you know, crappy fried food from a bar. So it, it worked both ways, but there was, I mean, it's, it's been hundreds, hundreds of books, like honestly, and that I'm not, that's not bragging because there was a lot of crappy books in there too. And a lot of books that I hated reading, but I felt like I needed, needed to finish it. Um, but then going back through, cause when you remember something, you don't remember the year and the day that that study was conducted. You just remember the outcome because it resonated somehow. So going back and finding that was pretty difficult. And that's why at the end of the book, um, we were working on like the whole citation, the, the huge citation thing. And it turned into a, just a bibliography because compiling all that was, it was becoming very, very difficult. <laughs> mm. No, that's, that's a good point. I, I, I like how you said, you know, you, you shared that you, you flunked out of college cause I, I'm in, I'm in college right now. Um, well, hopefully you don't fuck out. Well, continue my education. I, I have a degree, yeah. but I, I'm going back for, for further my education just for, for work. But it's, it's for something that I'm not passionate about. And you were obviously passionate about health. So you dove in and I feel yeah. the same way. Like I, I will never stop learning about yeah. exercise or, or nutrition or health. So when it's something that you're passionate about, um, I think it's a little different and I almost feel like, man, shit, I should have done something in like nutrition or, or, you know, doctor or something, but then I probably yeah. wouldn't have liked it either. Like it would be the same <laughs> right. way. You know what I mean? So yeah, I want you to learn the opposite of what you know now. Uh, right. I know that you eat a, a pretty close to animal based diet or, or better than that. So all the stuff my wife was learning in the holistic nutrition, like uh, you, have you heard of Dr. Gregor? No, he, he's like the how not to die vegan guy. Ah, okay. Yeah. Like almost everything that she was learning was plant-based, like, like the, almost the entire holistic nutrition program was plant-based. And so she's like, you know, like she's learning all this and then 
you know, we're eating like beans and, and we're eating like uh, these legumes and, and all just a ton of vegetables. And I was feeling like garbage. <laughs> I'm like, this is awful. So, but that's the type of stuff they teach you in those organizations, at least the stuff that she was going through. And so I feel like most nutritionists you see like on Instagram, that that's what they do or, or elsewhere. Like they're convinced that plant-based is the way to go. And I think it's because that's how they're taught. I think that's, they're funded by, you know, the large companies that you know, they, they want you to think you're being healthy, but have to take a pile of prescriptions every morning to deal with leaky gut and, you know, all the other issues you have because you've eaten the way they told you to. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, what are some of the, you know, and I'm, I'm using some buzzwords here that we always hear from like carnivore MD, but like the, the least toxin, uh, vegetables that y'all eat or, or, or is it, or do y'all care? Do y'all just eat vegetables from what y'all y'all grow in the garden? Or do y'all put a, that much thought into like, I don't want to have this, this vegetable because it's pretty toxic. I mean, yes, yes and no, both. I mean, cause we're kind of like, we both love broccoli. Um, so, but we don't eat it every day. Like we, we don't eat vegetables every day. And, uh, when we do, we change it up a lot. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of Darren Olean, um, yeah. Yeah, he, he's uh, the down to earth show and he wrote the super life book. Um, he talks a lot about the diversity of your plant food diet, especially for vegans, because he is one. Um, but we kind of, so we incorporate that. Like if it's not from our garden, if it's not something that we grew, which we grow almost entirely fruits, like even uh, a lot of people don't know, um, well, your nightshade vegetables. I mean, they're basically a fruit, your tomatoes, your peppers, your stuff like that. And then, your zucchinis, your squashes, your pumpkins, those are non-sweet fruits. Um, we do eat a pretty good bit of them from the garden and we can a lot of it too, but stuff we get from the store, like we do eat broccoli and Brussels sprouts. We'll do the asparagus once in a while, but we don't do a lot. You know what I mean? It's, it's a pretty minimal thing. Cause I do, Paul Saladino is a super intelligent guy and he's, he's done his due diligence. Like the research is solid. Like he's got solid information, but we do also enjoy eating stuff like that, but we always cook it. We don't eat, you know, there's no vegetables. We eat raw. It's, it's cooked, you know, sometimes even crispy. So it's, and it's cooked in beef tallow. Right. You know, we, we do, we do try to make it the best that we can, even knowing, you know, but the truth of it is the truth of it is, is that the broccoli or whatever it is, is better for you than, you know, the flour pizza or whatever, you know, like it's, it's kind of a trade-off. Absolutely. We don't do a lot of beans. We were for a long time, like we would sprout lentils and and sprout all the beans and stuff. We were doing them because we thought at least sprouting them, it was okay, but we were still having some issues with that. Like it took a while, you know, as you eliminate things and bring things back in, you realize that maybe something did have a, a little bit of a trigger in your body that you didn't realize before. So I noticed that with the sprouted beans recently, really after the book was published. Hmm, interesting. I know there's, you know, everyone's different and our bodies run on, on different types of fuel. This makes me think of the, the book, the eat for your blood type. Have you read that book? I've heard of it. No, it's on my list though. Yeah, man. It's a good short book. I think I didn't, I didn't read it. I, I listened to it on, on, on audio book, but it's, uh, it's about an hour, maybe three hours long, but it talks about the, the benefits, the different blood types get from the types of food that, that they're consuming. And I know blood type A, I was just at a convention this last week and I was talking to some folks that were 
mostly vegan and vegetarian. And I asked them their blood type just because I I read the book. And the book does say that people that are uh, either A or A negative, A positive or A negative, benefit largely from a, v- a vegan or a vegetarian-based diet. And everyone that I talked to that ate that way, they were actually A and A negative. No kidding. Yeah. So. Oh, I mean, that's. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pull that one out of the archives and yeah. actually read that one. Then that does sound interesting. It's a good. I one. can see that. Yeah. Some people do thrive. Pretty, pretty okay. Yep. I do believe that they wouldn't thrive their whole lives that way. You know, I, I still believe pretty heavily that they need to include some sort of meat, but you know, I mean, and a lot of vegans do like my wife and I are, we're, we're pretty um, like woven into like the yoga uh, industry here in Pittsburgh. And a lot of yoga people choose to be plant-based. Mm. Um, some of them do it for virtue. Some of them do it for, you know, the lightness or whatever, but um, a lot of them, you know, they'll stick to it for a minute and then they'll eat some eggs and, you know, maybe some chicken or, or milk, cheese, whatever. Um, and I think that that's a smart move. Uh, even the, the yogis that they're, uh, like wishing, you know, that they're, that they're trying to aspire to be like, they didn't live on a vegan diet, you know, they yeah. did eat ghee, butter, you know, all that good. They got the animal fats a different way, Yep. but I'm curious, does it, I don't know a whole lot about the blood type. Does that, does that have anything to do with where they're from geographically? Like, yes. is there any ethnicity? Is there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it, it goes back to where your, you know, your family originated from. And you're talking about fitness and yoga too. The book goes into what kind of physical exercise aligns more with your blood type. So blood okay, type yeah. A also is more of a yoga stretching type oh, of look at that. where, that's, where that's B, so I'm B positive and O um, you know, running and lifting weights and doing heavy compound movements are more aligned to, to my blood type. So I, um, I, I, and it's funny too, cause I, I want to stretch, like I want to enjoy yoga. I just yeah. hate it. I, I, I don't <laughs> like it. And I, you know, before I read the book, I was like, how come I just can't get into it? And now it kind of makes sense. Like it's like biologically weaved <laughs> into my there. DNA. Yeah. And it makes sense. Oh, um, that's pretty neat. Yeah. I, I don't even know what blood type I am. Honestly, dude. So there's a, uh, there's a, a cheap test off Amazon. It's like seven bucks and it's, uh, it's highly recommended by a bunch of people in the medical field and you can order them. Um, we did our whole family here and you just prick your finger and you put it on this little, uh, test kit and it, it'll tell you your blood type. So it's, oh, that's, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that once we get off here. I'm going to order that. Cause that's something I'm interested in. Yeah. It's, oh, one of the, maybe it was an ancestry DNA or something. They do like a, a section cause they or no, maybe. Hell, we did five strands and uh, like a whole bunch of them. One of them did say, according to your genotype or whatever, it said that I was more, which makes sense with the football and stuff like you're saying, like just makes more sense. And it felt more right to do like sprinting or high intensity, you know, lifting and stuff like that. Because it did say that. I wonder if they get that info from the blood type and just don't disclose the blood type. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be curious to know. So my blood type said that I'd benefit largely from fish. So I went on a kick, man. I tried every kind of fish and I just, I hate it all, dude. I don't like, um, I don't like cooking. I don't know. I'm, I I could be cooking it wrong, I guess, but I'm also getting it from like H-E-B. So I'm assuming it would be a lot different if I fresh caught the fish from like fresh rivers or something. Um, the problem is I live on the Gulf coast. So I live by a bunch of like chemical plants, manufacturing facilities, Uh, and I just don't want to fish. Yeah, I got you. I understand that. You know, so. 
And there's fish is a hard one too, because like Paul Saladino, he's a, he's a guy that talks a lot about like, you know, don't eat a lot of fish. If you do make it a small fish and being close to the ocean, there's probably not a whole lot of small fish available. But I, although I have heard that there's a lot of great fishing, lake fishing in Texas, right? which I was too young when I lived there to do it. But being from Michigan, man, there was, there was lakes everywhere. Like it was really common um, just to bring some perch, you know, to a buddy's house and, and just cook up the perch or bluegill or, or crappie, whatever. I mean, it yep. was, it, I love trout it was my favorite because they're so easy to clean, but yep. um, yeah, I mean, it, that's a, that's a funny thing to think about the, the fish in the geographical locations, what kind of opportunity you have for good, fresh fish. You know, and I never thought about it either until I started working in the chemical plants and I saw how many shortcuts people perform, you know, that are the, the people yeah. that are operating and how much stuff happens that goes unreported. And yeah. so I can only imagine, you know, from the gr grander scale of the other companies that are around, it, combining all that into one, I'm like, eh, I'll pass on the fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll pass it. Yeah, the oil and gas is the same way. There's a, a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty shady. <laughs> yep. Can't I, believe that was allowed to happen. I talked to this one guy, um, Nick Castillo, and he's a, he's a research PhD student. And um, he did a study in Florida um, or him and his team did a study in Florida talking about, or, or focused on how many chemicals from a pharmaceutical perspective are in fish. And, um, basically every fish that they tested was contaminated in Florida. And there was one fish that had over 21 chemicals that Ooh. were, that was greater than the recommended dosage that a normal human being would have. So it was like, wow. it was like 20 times the the range in a, in a you know normal prescription that a human would have. So that's like, so there's like the microplastics we have to worry about with yeah, fish. For sure. There's all that. And then there's also these pharmaceuticals, which then like we, as we started having this, you know, conversation, you know, the bears eat the fish. So then the bears are becoming infected. You know, uh -huh. it's like, it, it's like it's in, becoming this yeah, whole ecological problem. Yeah. yeah. It's becoming like this whole thing. So it, it's kind of stressful when you start thinking about that. <laughs> it, it, yeah. The more, you know, the more, the more it affects you. It, it is. It's like that red pill, you know, yeah. when you don't know, it's like that. It's kind of like when you explain all the, the ways in which uh monocropping farming kills hundreds of thousands of, of, you know, animals, insects, whatever. And the vegans are like, huh? Yeah. What? No, I eat that way because it's no harm. I don't hurt anything. You're like, oh, yeah, you do actually a lot, <laughs> right? No, hundred percent. I, I, I enjoyed the, you know, the, the vegan part of the book too, where you were given recommendations on on how to eat a, a vegan diet, and I, I enjoyed how you weren't, you know, again, you weren't being preachy, you weren't talking down on that community. You were just giving advice, and yeah. that's very helpful too because. Oftentimes, more oftentimes than not, when, you, you know, a, a plant-based eater and a, a meat-based eater talk, it always ends up turning into some type of debate yeah. who has more facts. Um, and it, it, it just, it doesn't go anywhere. It's not a, yeah. you know, a value-added conversation. It's almost like a Republican versus a Democrat talking. It doesn't, it just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't jive. No one's going to change their mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah, nobody's gonna go. Oh, you're actually right, man. Yeah, that's you're you're right. I'll I'll be a Democrat now. Right. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah, it never does. It turns into a blowout most of the time. Or now you're not friends anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that that's something I did want to put in there in the book was because, like I said, my wife and I have we have a lot of friends that 
um, you know, they, they chose that way of living and there's a multitude of reasons why people choose that. And so we've had the conversations before and, um, the community, I like the yoga community. I don't like yoga. I don't like doing yoga. I really enjoy meditation. I really enjoy the spiritual aspect of yoga. I, and I didn't know that I was going to until, like I said, my wife was dragging me through the thorn bushes on that journey, but I really, I really do enjoy that. So I never wanted to like hurt any of those people in the industry that were like, you know, inclined spiritually pretty well. They were, you know, really good people, really good leaders, really good helpers, healers, whatever. And, uh, but I, it's kind of like, uh, like Paul Saladino says this, um, like you see an athlete that's doing phenomenal, but they're not eating phenomenal. And so you're like, man, don't you want to know what you could do if you were eating the right way for your biology? Like you're already the best. How much better could you be? I feel the same way with these, with these healers and spiritual workers in the industry. Like you're already awesome. You're already so good. You've been, you've been gifted these abilities, these skills, um, you know, these, these meditative practices, like you, you're already there. Now imagine if you took care of your body, the way your body needs to be taken care of, like, where could you be at that point? And so kind of, there's been so many conversations, the ethical aspect of it, because that's, that's a big part of the reason the whole karma, like the, the section, the karma and the carnivore, um, part was like a, it's kind of a big part of those conversations because that's a big thing. A lot of people go, well, isn't it, it'll affect my karma, you know, if I'm killing an animal, it's like, well, well, but here's the thing is something has to die for something to live. There's no way around that. Um, and so choosing what to kill doesn't, you know, it doesn't really make you a better person, but if that one cow can feed your whole family for a month or two months, you just killed one cow. Whereas if you're eating a plant-based diet, you know, you're, you're going to need a really diverse diet to stay healthy. It's going to take acres and acres of land. That's gonna consequently kill tens of thousands of animals, not including the insects. And then of course, a plant is a living thing. Everybody likes to forget that notion because they don't look like us. You know, there's some really great books on, on plants, like the secret life of plants um, and the intention experiment. Like there's, if you, you get a chance, put them books on your bookshelf and listen to them or, or read them. And you'll realize the plants, I mean, they've been here hundred million years before we got here, before herb, herbivores got here. Um, they're very intelligent. You look outside, uh, this is the plant's planet. It's not our planet. And so when people look at a plant and they go, ah, oh, it's not, a, it's not a living thing. I don't feel bad when I eat it. Um, it it's, it's actually probably more biologically intelligent than we are at a certain point. So yeah, it's, a, it's a, like a funny twist on all that. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, 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 you know, you, you recommended a few books in, in, in your book on the, on plants and the plant ecosystem. And I put them on, on my shelf because I want to learn more about that because, um, it sounds wrong to say, but I want to have some like facts yeah. Um, and, and as it relates to, you know, plants, when I'm talking to the plant-based community, cause there's a lot of times I, I get shut down from, from those folks because it's easy to say, well, I just want to be a, a good person. Like I don't really have anything to say, but yeah. you know, you articulated a few things that I could, I could help share. So. And that, that is a big one. And like, I, I try not to argue with a lot of people, but there's a lot of people when we take them on is, is clients to train and coach, like. They're like, well, okay, so I know I need to be eating more vegetables and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you you really don't need to be eating more vegetables. You 
you need to be eating less of the garbage. Really, that's the way you need to start at, right? And get that seed oil out of your cabinet. Um, you know, replace those all the shit that's in boxes and shit in your cabinet. Replace them with maybe jars of fermented foods if you want to go that way. But you know, definitely you don't need to go plant based. And a lot of people think that, and I think it's because that's kind of the the media narrative right now there's a lot of i mean there's the plant-based burgers and and all that factory made garbage that they that they're trying to tell you that is healthier than uh you know this beyond burger is better for you than this beef patty you know and people are buying into it that's they're these people are awesome advertisers they know the way the mind works and so that's how they get a lot of those people they're like well i don't want to hurt anything that's why i do this because that's how they advertise to them you know they advertise to them that the cow that they ate lived a miserable life and was slaughtered in this crazy inhumane way. And not that that doesn't happen because it does, but there's a way around that is called regenerative farming or just going to your local farm. And a lot of them, even though they don't claim to be organic or don't claim to be regenerative because it's a process to, to get that tag, they're pasture raised, you know, they live a pretty decent life. Um, and normally out in the sunshine where they should be living, and so that's, I mean, there's, there's just better ways to be a better person <laughs> than, than that, but nobody knows that because they're not, that's not how you're advertised. So what's the future look like, man? What's next on, on you and your wife's radar? Um, more books, more coaching classes, virtual online coaching. What do y'all have uh, in store? Uh, there's, that, that's a good question. Um, we actually, we're in the process of opening a gym here in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Um, so we will have. We actually just talked to the guy this morning about signage and stuff like that. So it should be probably mid-October. Um, we should be able to have opening the doors, a little gathering up there for that. Um, my wife is working on a cookbook now. She's a phenomenal cook. And through this whole thing, she's just been, uh, she made a liver pie for breakfast yesterday. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. And you'd be surprised. Like, that's why she's got to put it in a book. She's, you know, she's, she's doing all that. Um, get a good photo shoot and all that good stuff. But there's, She's she's turned some stuff into stuff like because uh, we want you want the kids to not be eating, you know, go to school like, oh, I had liver for breakfast and other kids like, oh, that's gross. What's the matter with you? Yeah. So you kind of you gotta make it fun. Like my wife makes like a, a chocolate pudding out of avocado. It's like avocado mousse. Mm. And uh, uh, she's got some killer recipes. So she's working on that. Um, I'm partway through another book um, right now um, that I'm hoping to have out next spring. It might be called testosterone. I'm not really sure, but um, it'll be about balancing hormones and stuff like that. Probably a shorter, quicker read book. Um, just because like for, for a man, that's, you know, we live in a world where testosterone is decreasing every single generation. And it's, it's, it's at a point where that like toxic masculinity is more or less called by imbalanced hormones, typically low testosterone, um, which is the opposite of what you know, they're telling everybody. So I think it's important to get that out there that um, there's a lot of ways to increase your testosterone and it's the fountain of youth, man. It really is. And yeah. if you, you know, not exogenously either, cause that, that fucks you up. But if you can, if you can do the simple things that are kind of outlined in awakening the tranquil warrior, like grounding and sunshine and lifting heavy weights once in a while, your testosterone is going to skyrocket and everything is going to get better. You're going to have better sex, more sex. You're going to sleep better. You're going to be stronger. Like all the things that a man wants, right? I mean, why wouldn't you want to be stronger? Um, but yeah, so that's to answer your question. That's basically the the future for, 
for my wife and I is opening the gym up and then, uh, and then finishing up two other books at this point. So dude, that's exciting, man. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks man. Are you, uh, are you totally against, um, TRT or, or PEDs? It seems like everyone nowadays is, is on something, right? Like yeah. everyone's doing something. I think so. I'm, I'm not against it at all, man, because like uh, there's someone in my family in particular who I've actually recommended like, Hey, you need to go see the doctor, get your blood tested. He's going to tell you your test is low. Let him give you the shots or whatever. Um, because it will, it is the fountain of youth. And if you are, if you're in your thirties or older, you're obese, like you're not going to go to the gym. You're not going to do the things you need to do to naturally increase your testosterone. And so I, I have, no issue with anybody doing anything like that, especially when, if it's a TRT or um, something like that for someone who, and, and honestly, low is really hard to like evaluate right now because the normal just keeps dropping. Um, so realistically, if you go to a doctor and you get your T tested and they go, oh, you're in the normal range, but you're probably low. Um, but especially if you're feeling some depression, you know, you're feeling these, these things that are coined normal mental health issues right now, probably has a lot to do with that. Oh, your normal range of testosterone. So no, I'm, I'm not against it at all, man. And in, in fact, I know a lot of people who use it, have used it forever. Um, I do think it's a scary thing if you're young to use it um, just because there's, there's so many side effects. And if you're not doing it right, you know, your, your hormones are kind of doing this thing. And that's, that's basically um, what seed oils and sugars do. Like all the things that I try to avoid, um, if you're not doing the TRTs the right way, or even under a doctor supervision, um, it could be sketchy. Now there's a lot of people, I don't know if you know, uh, what the, the guy that owns Kabuki strength, no. um, shit, what's he, I think he calls himself the mad, mad scientist Duffin or something like that on Instagram. Ah, uh, I think I've seen it. Yeah. 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 Is, he, is he like black hair dude? Yeah. He's right. got like curly hair. Yep. Yeah. He's, yep. he's a big older dude. Yeah. He's, he's a badass. Um, but he actually, he, he talks about like how he does it. And so, uh, I guess this is how I should word it. If someone thinks that they need it, they should do a lot of research on it. You know, don't just find the meathead at your gym and go, Hey bro, you, you think you hook me up with some <laughs> shit? Cause he will absolutely hook you up with whatever he's using. But you know, it, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of negative things that can come from it. So, yeah, yeah. but it, I think it could be beneficial for someone who's not gonna make it to the gym because they don't have the motivation. They don't have, all these natural things going on themselves. They're not going to do the things. Then I, I, I think it should, it could be a good temporary fix for somebody. If it gets them to a point where they can go to the gym and then naturally increase it on their own. I think so. I don't think it's a problem, but I'm also not a doctor. So, Hey, yeah, (laughs) we always have to throw that in there, right? Like a little disclaimer. Yeah. Don't listen to me that much. Um, (laughs) And chapter, I think it's chapter six there's this sentence that I I love. It says, uh, avoid fear, choose faith, avoid frowning, choose smiling, avoid guilt, choose pride, avoid jealousy and choose hope. Where'd you come up with that? Uh, from firsthand. Um, a lot of the writing of that book was kind of during the crazy COVID years. Um, them like two years of, of just people were like their worst expression of themselves. And, uh, and it was so it was hard to avoid the media. It was hard to avoid those conflicts. And uh, you have kids, too. So, you know, like 
going to grocery stores and um, I don't know if I say this or not, but I'm like totally against all that. And if you read the, the hygiene chapter in the book, you, you probably realize like um, I believe that we have all the strength right here in our, in ourselves. And there's no reason to look outside, you know, it's, it's all, it's all you. And it, it always has been, and always will be. And, and a mask isn't going to save your fucking life, you know? And so like we had, and I, and I, I refused to put them on my young children. Um, I refused to do it. And, and it, it started a lot of shit. And so, you know, there was, there's, there's been some issues because of that, um, you know, that, that I have to live with now, but it is what it is. And, and so like, that came from me realizing at a point during all that, that was like, you know, here I am like saying that these people are living in fear and they're like, um, you know, they're not trusting themselves, whatever, like just, just throwing digs at them. And I, and I thought like, I'm, I'm a part of the problem realistically, you know, like you, you should never choose to comply when it's against the way you feel, but there's no reason for me to start the fights I did. There was no reason for me to have those things. So I just kind of shifted and was like, Hey, you know, live and let be is, is really better for everybody, you know? And it, and it happened like that fast, like the walking in the store and getting like, you know, people coming at you like guards, um, basically stopped. And it was the weirdest thing because, um, cause it was, it was like that. It was like that fast. And I, and it, I don't know everything about the spirituality, but I do know that there's, there's a resonance, there's a electromagnetic frequency that we all give off. And when you're giving off one that says like, I'm in a shitty mood, I want to fight with you. I want to, I want to cause a problem. It, it comes right at you and it comes fast. Um, it, it's like, I don't know if you ever noticed when you're driving, you know, like you're in a crappy mood. Next thing you know, like people are cutting you off, like you're, you're honking, you know, like it, it just, it happens so fast. And, and yeah, that, that's kind of where that came from was because I had that realization that, uh, that I was actually causing a lot of these, a lot of these things were my fault. Um, and I, and I never wanted to believe that before, like before having that like shift of that paradigm shift in my thought process. But yeah, that's basically where that came from. Dude, it's awesome, man. I, uh, I love the book, enjoying it, and uh, I love everything you and your wife are doing, man. So just keep on keeping on, man. I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah. So how can people get, you know, how can people buy the book? How can people follow okay. you on Instagram and all that good stuff? Yeah, so, uh, so you can follow me on Instagram at The Tranquil Warrior. Um, and our book is available at AwakeningTheTranquilWarrior.com. It's also available on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, it's in a bunch of little local shops. But, uh, but the easiest way to get a hold of it is AwakeningTheTranquilWarrior.com. Awesome, man. Well, Trenton, I appreciate your time, man. And this will be out probably later this week, man. And I'll, I'll tag awesome. you up on a, on a bunch of stuff. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. I appreciate it, man. It was a good talk. Yep. I'll talk to you later, man. Bye. All right, brother. Later. Bye.